0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable: Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Would you take a minute, just before you sit down and just thank God for the team that leads us in worship every morning. Thank you, guys. God is so good to us. You can be seated. Thanks. But not the kids, because it's time for you to go to Woodside Kids. Enjoy that. You're going to miss out a lot of fun here. Sorry. Sorry about that. You can't be at two places at once. You've got to choose. Stay here and listen to me talk for 30 minutes. Or go and have crafts and fun and a Bible lesson and Friends. They all left. (laughs) Believe it. I can't believe it. Wait, there's all the adults. They're leaving. Where are they going? Hi, everybody. It's good to to see you this morning. Bill, thanks for starting our series last Sunday in the book of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, Bill presented a, a powerful foundation of this book, a book written to Christians who were suffering Because of the afflictions of the world. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And that's exactly what they were finding. Believers were getting in trouble because they believed and followed Jesus. Um, And many of them lost their homes. They got scattered around Asia Minor. So Peter wrote this letter to bring encouragement to them, to give them an ability to focus in, okay, now what, God? And he, he gave them many of those principles throughout uh, this letter and it 's going to be really good for us because i don 't know if you notice we 're not home yet, right? maybe you like where you live, but that 's not home uh, you 're just here for a period of time and then but we, one day we will we will experience the kingdom that God established through Jesus Christ, and we 'll experience eternity with him so meanwhile we 're going to experience some suffering too. Uh, I know some of you are hurting today i 'm hurting um, uh, we know that um, some of you know that Mitch Vermander, who is a member of our church here, is a beautiful guy that served Jesus through his music ministry and such things. He had a massive heart attack on Tuesday and passed away on Thursday. Uh, so we miss him. Pray for Lisa um, and her kids. They're having a really tough time. Uh, and that's as just a smattering of things. I know John Paulin is really hurting today in the loss of his brother I know that some here are wrestling through some domestic issues that are very troubling to you. Uh, Some are um, anticipating some difficult times in the future. Some have some questions on what decisions to make. So we're having some difficult times here, but God has something to say to that. In fact, Bill presented last week that we can have hope, it's a living hope that stems from something significant that happened in the past, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. Right? It's, a, it's the incredible work that God raised Jesus from the dead, and that provides us with a living hope. When Jesus was on the earth, he did incredible things. Um, in fact, what are some of the miracles he did? Really quick. Ready? Go. Walked, water. Walked on water. Raised we the dead. The water to wine. Water wine. Multiplied fish and bread. Said 5,000. Yeah, healed the blind guy. The lame. Incredible things. And, and after all that, somebody had the audacity to say to him, okay, you say you're from God. Prove it. <laughs> Give us a sign that this is really true. We're <laughs> happy. Right? Well, Jesus must have thought. What do you think all this was? Who, other than those sent from God, could possibly accomplish such things? Well, some people had an answer. He said, well, if you have a demon, maybe you can do that kind of stuff. So Jesus said, I'll give you one sign. I'll be in the grave three days, then I'll rise from the dead. Then you'll know I'm from God. It wasn't long after that. He was betrayed by friends, put through a mock trial, condemned to die, crucified, buried. His dead body was placed in the grave. Three days later, it rose as if Jesus were just saying, there you go. You want a proof? There it is. Not only did it happen, I told you it was going to happen. So then when it did, you could see that, yes, everything that I have said is true. Peter is saying to the suffering Christians scattered around, I know it's tough. I know you're having a difficult time, but you have hope. This hope is built on the resurrection of Jesus that has sealed your future. You're going to go through various trials, but it's going to purify your faith. You'll come forth as pure gold. So set your hope on the risen Christ. But I love... That Peter didn't just say, come on, you have hope. Have you ever been in a difficult situation and somebody puts their arm around and said, hey, bud, don't give up your hope. Don't give up your hope. You think, oh, okay, that's good. So what do I do, just try harder? Hope, 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 hope. All right, sometimes your heart's just so heavy, it's hard to find that hope. And just saying, I'm going to have hope, it's a futile exercise. So Peter goes further to say, okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you how to experience this hope in your life because you're going to go through some difficult times. And if you just base it on feelings, you're going to get all distracted and you'll get um, detoured from the path that God has set for you. If circumstances drive the direction of your life, you will find yourself lost. In fact, I don't know if you traced the or followed the news reports of the humpback whales in Australia. Anybody? One, two, three, four. Yes, four of us compassionate people that look at the news beyond the headlines of everything happening in our tiny little world. You know, this is important things. Three humpback whales were migrating around the coast of Australia, and they for some reason, turned up Alligator River. Instead of going through to, to the bay where they would where it would winter or whatever, instead they, or summer, I guess it is in Australia, right? Um, they, they turned up Alligator River, which, you know, people make run turns all the time. The problem, Alligator River, why do you think they call it that? Yeah. <laughs> right, They're crocodiles, actually. So why do they call it Alligator River? I don't know. Um, <laughs> which, you know, 52-ton, Beasts like a humpbacked whale they 're not going to be too afraid of these crocodiles unless they get beached on shallow waters, which is where they were headed and so uh, BBC especially covered this. oh no, what do we do? and scientists were trying to figure what do we do? where do we How do we get these whales to turn around, put signs in the water wrong way? you know what do you do? Um, anyway, two or three days later they I guess the humpback whales got that message from their creator, and so they turned around and went down, and they, none of them were eaten by crocodiles. Everybody take a big sigh. <sighs> you know? But that's what we do when circumstances in our life drive us. When we're not anchored into the hope that God has given to us, we take these detours in life and go where we feel like we, it's right to go. But it's not. And so God has given us something more solid than feelings and emotions and circumstances. And that's where we're getting into this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 13, here's what it says. 1 Peter 1:13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. Big idea for you to grasp this morning is that our future grace transforms our conduct today. Where you set your hope on the future will transform how you live today. That verse again, prepare your minds for action, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. The grace that will be brought. What is coming? The key to moving from hopelessness to confidence is that you trust in the grace that will be brought to you. So what is this? Well, it says in the verse that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus returns, he will drive away everything that threatens you. That's what Eric was leading us into in our worship time, is that death flees from the revelation of Jesus, from the coming, the revealing of Jesus. Death and hatred and pain and strokes and heart attacks and political ads and abuse and fear, all these things that bother us and trouble us, it will drive away when Jesus is revealed. Because here's, here's what Jesus said. This is the Jesus that said, you want to know who I am? If you could trust me, watch me, because three days I'll be in the grave and then I'll rise again. This Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. He then ascended to heaven and people stood there gazing with their eyes to heaven and the angel said, why do you stand there with your mouths hanging open? Don't you know that this Jesus will come again in the same way he just left? So go be ready. Go live your life with anticipation that he will come again. He will bring grace when he comes. And if you focus on that, your life is going to change. You will not be the same person as if you lived your life thinking only about the here and the now. That's where we're going today. All right, let's look at the Word. 1 Peter 1, verse 14. Here is a, here's a, a reason that our lives will change. It's because God is our Father. And because He is our Father, He calls us, How long will you be in exile, do you think? Somebody threw out an answer. How long do you think we're going to be in exile in our lives? Till we die. For the rest of your life or until he returns. We're going to be in exile. Okay, so while you're waiting for that, he says to conduct yourselves according to this idea that we have a Father who is holy, so we live holy as His child. Essentially, Peter is saying that there should be a strong family resemblance while you're waiting for His return. This God, our Father, who's always good, He never breaks His promises, He never lies. He's never cruel. He can't be bribed. He doesn't mistreat anyone. This good, holy Father has called us to live according to his moral attributes, his moral characteristics. That as his child, he's given you his nature when you trusted in Him, when you placed your faith in His Son, Jesus, you became His child. And and the Scripture says that God has imputed or He has given to you the rightness of Jesus. You now have the nature of God. So set your mind on this truth that He's your Father and go seek to live that way. Know that this is a growth process. This is not a one and done, right? This isn't, okay, now I'm in Jesus and now my life is good. No, you have the nature. Now it's time to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? It's a a daily journey where the Spirit of God continues to refine you. There's a plaque on our wall at our our house. Those are our small groups Sunday. You you noticed it. You noticed one of them. Uh, There's another new plaque on our wall uh, that says, we become what we behold. It's based on 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says this: We all with unveiled face, right? The veil has been removed. Now you're given the nature of God, so you're different. You have the nature of God in you. We're beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That as we behold his glory, we become more glorious. It doesn't mean you become physically more beautiful. Well, some of you do. It means that at the character at your nature, you become more like your Father, who is ultimately glorious. Bit by bit by bit. But it does say that we are beholding the glory of the Lord. So what's implied there is, well, if you're not, you're probably going to miss out on this gradual transformation into the image of the Father. The same thing with Peter. He says, well, if you're not setting your mind on the revealing of Jesus Christ, you're probably not going to see more and more of Christlikeness in your life. If you're not putting forth that effort into gazing on him and beholding him, you'll probably miss out on some of those, those formative changes that are desperately needed in your life. And have you caught on Yet? That when we live according to the former passions of our life, before we met Jesus, when, when we live like everyone else, we, we experience the same emptiness of everyone else? Have we, have we, have we realized that? I mean, I, I know many times I forget that, that because I can feel justified in my bitterness towards people, because they mistreated me, right? They said something against me or, or, or whatever, and so I can feel like, yeah, that's, what's, that's what's right, you see? dissed me and I'm going to diss them back right well that tears me up inside that eats me away my own life it does nothing to them right bitterness only hurts me but in my ignorance that's what I think but I'm not ignorant anymore I have the nature of God and so I got got to keep thinking wait a second that's what I need to forgive others as God in Christ's sake has forgiven me because that's where joy is. That's where freedom is. That's why Eric had sing saying that we're free, free. Why? Because we don't live according to the old way anymore. Right? The way we used to talk, it used to make sense because, you know, that's just, uh, it's not how I do that anymore because that's not who I am. I don't anymore. I, there's, there's life. There's hope. <laughs> there's joy. There's a better, better life. So Peter's reminding them in their exile, he's saying, now, you used to live this way. Don't, don't forget, that's not who you are anymore. We're not living according to the passions of our former ignorance. Now you know God. You know he's your father. So live according to his rightness. Secondly, Verse 18. Because Jesus is our Redeemer, we can live faithful to Him. Verse 18. Knowing that you were were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, we live this way, we, we pursue continued change in our life because we know that we were ransomed through the precious blood of Jesus. Now again, keep in mind that Peter is writing to believers. Let me just pause and acknowledge that it's very likely that not everybody in this room, not everybody on Facebook Live is a believer. There may be some here whose parents are, and maybe you're raised as a a Christian, but you've never taken that personal step to say, I'm in, my faith is in him, I'm placing my full confidence in Jesus. Maybe you're checking it out. Maybe you're riding on your mom's coattails or your dad's coattails of faith. Maybe you're here because your spouse comes and you like to be together and you find that it's good for you, but you have yet to trust in him. may these next few words help you understand what God has done so that you can know Him personally. It says that His children were ransomed, not with money, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb... He's hearkening back to what would have been known by the Jewish community of this sacrificial atonement that God had given to Moses in their their religious law. That on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and after going through a lengthy, Uh, process that we don't have time to get into this morning, but it would lead up to this moment when the priest would take his hands and place them on the spotless lamb and would, the word is, he would impute or he would place symbolically all the sins of all the people that they had committed over the last 365 days He placed them on the lamb. And then that lamb would be slaughtered. Its blood would be caught. And the blood would be sprinkled on the ark, on the altar, in the Holy of Holies. What was being symbolized is this this concept that God had given from the beginning. Since man sinned, that, the, that death must take place in payment of sin. The soul that sins, it shall die. That was the law of the universe. If you rebel against your creator, if you sin, you must die. That's the penalty of sin. But God was not content with that because he created people to love for, so they can have a relationship with him. And so he didn't create them to die So he provided this way where an innocent lamb would be slaughtered on behalf of guilty people. And some, we read about this sacrificial system and it troubles us. We think that's so cruel. Especially if your heart is soft and you were concerned about the humpback whales and and you're concerned about innocent little lambs that did nothing wrong and why are they killed. Yes, it's tragic. But it's merciful This thought that an innocent would die on behalf of the guilty. And then some of you might think, seriously, does that work? That a lamb can be slaughtered to pay for the sins of people? No. Uh Uh-uh. That doesn't work. You say, well, why did that happen year after year after year after year? Because God was pointing to his ultimate Provision of the innocent, spotless lamb that would be slaughtered. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's God's one and only Son, the only one who walked on the face of this earth that only did what was good, right, and perfect, that never did wrong. He never sinned. He never retaliated. He never became bitter. He never slipped and cussed. (laughs) He never lusted. He was tempted in all these ways but he was the only one that never did but he was the one that was punished for your sin he was the spotless lamb of God his blood that flowed through his veins was the only perfectly innocent blood the only blood that never deserved to be spilt and yet it was why? to step in and be your substitute the the, The creator of the world, the Bible says that it was through Jesus that the world was made. He stepped in to pay for your sin. There is no more precious blood than the blood of Jesus. There is no precious material than the blood of Jesus, not silver or gold or diamonds or platinum or or any any other such precious stone or gem. The, The blood of Jesus in its precious nature was spilt for you. Because you were purchased, you were ransomed from sin with such a precious commodity. Peter says, so live like the Father. Don't you know that when you step into into a sinful decision, don't you know that that is dishonoring the precious Price that was paid for you, don't you know when you say, yeah, but I just want to. I mean, I know I shouldn't and I know it's not consistent with what God's called me to do. I just want to. Don't you know that that's defacing the value of the blood of Jesus who ransomed you? He says, Jesus to come back. This Jesus that paid for you through his sacrifice, he will one day return. So focus on that. When you focus on his return, you know that this is the lamb that will now be returning as the lion. Right? You sang of that this morning. How did Eric preach the whole sermon this morning with the worship team in in song? It's incredible. Thank you, Eric, for that leadership. Thank you, Sarah and Caitlin. But that 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 beautiful picture of the lion slain for us now returning as the the lamb slain for us now returning as the lion coming to set up his kingdom. He's coming back. So let's prepare ourselves for that. We're, we're, we're the children of the father and he's returning. Most of you have dropped off kids for babysitters. Not everybody. Some of you have been the babysitters they drop the kids off at, Right? And you know that many times, especially when the kids are young and getting used to the babysitter idea, you have to take that time to say, now now listen, we're going to go, but no, we're coming back. We're coming back and we'll take you home and you'll be with us again, but we're going to be leaving. No, we're coming back. Some kids have a greater struggle with that separation, this stage of life and different personalities and things. So parents often have to give that assurance of their coming back. Why? Why do they do that? Well, they don't want the babysitters to have a miserable time and the kid crying the whole time, right? They, they don't want their children to misbehave while they're gone. They want, to enjoy, they want the child to enjoy this season without having to worry about, oh no, what's going to happen? Mom's not here to make me supper tonight. What are we going to do? No, mom's, mom's coming back. And mom's entrusting you to this babysitter. Your, your needs will be met. You'll be cared for. You'll be safe. So enjoy this and I'll return. Why, why else do they say we're coming back? Well, because... The babysitter has permission to tell the parent how the kids did, right? So if the kids do misbehave and aren't cooperating with the babysitter, a report will be given, and the loving parents will help the child train. Peter says to the church that's in exile, you're going to face all kinds of temptation, You're going to settle into a community that the culture is different than the culture of the kingdom. And you're going to have this temptation to just kind of blend in and say, well, yeah, I kind of like it better outside of the kingdom's values, and I'm going to embrace the world's values. And and Peter says, no, you have a father who is holy, so be holy. You've got the son who's given his life for you, so be holy. Holy. And that son is coming back and he's going to bring an incredible world with him. But it also says that he is going to come with judgment who who judges impartially according to each one's deeds so conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So Peter again calls his people calls the people of God to live with hope and expectation. Not hoping it works out great right now, because in this world you're going to have trouble. But your hope is set on the return of Jesus. Here's the reality. Until he returns, there will be cancer. There will be heart attacks. There will be a bankruptcy. There will be difficulty. There will be, there'll be hatred in our world, and it's going to hurt you. If your hope is set on not having trouble in this world, you're going to struggle. So Peter doesn't say, well, just hope that it goes better because all things work together for good. So hang in there. It's all going to be good. He doesn't say that. The truth is there. But he says, no, you hope for the coming of Jesus because that's when it will be made right. He doesn't say, so hope the election turns out good because that's the only hope we have, right? We've got to get this guy in. If your hope is in our election you're going to be gravely disappointed because even if your guy wins, he's going to be a grave disappointment to you because only Jesus sets people free. And if your anxiety level is high in anticipation of this election, that's a sign that your hope is on something wrong. Is your hope on getting the cool toys and enjoying life or maybe settling into a comfortable retirement? Uh, let me assure you, you're going to be disappointed. Maybe, it, maybe you'll be one of the exceptions that actually retirement works out great and your golden years are actually golden. But the likelihood is those golden years are going to be filled with trouble too. Because the king is who comes and brings us joy. It's hope. Peter calls us to set our hope on the grace that will be revealed at the coming of Jesus. Jesus is our living hope. Would you say that with me? Jesus is our living hope. Say it again. Jesus is our living hope. And say this. And he is coming again. Say it. He's coming again. Father, I know you care about our election. I know you do because you've told us in your word that you cast the deciding vote. So you do care. And so we trust, but our trust is in you, not a candidate. Our trust is in you, not an outcome. Lord, I know that you care about our retirement. You've called us, Lord, to pray, to pray about everything, to pray with thanksgiving, knowing that you hear our requests. And we, as we pray, Lord, we know that you will fill us with indescribable peace. We know you care about our health. You've called yourself the great physician. Father, you've told us that the death of the resurrection of Jesus has healed all our diseases. And one day all those things, you hate our, this cancer and you hate these heart attacks and strokes. You hate them more than we do, which is why you sent your son to end it. But our hope not is in simply the ending of those things. Our hope is in the appearing of Jesus because he is the one who fully satisfies. So Lord, I pray that our hope would be set on him and his appearing. Lord, help us to be disciplined in how we think. Help us to be sober-minded. I pray that we would behold you so that we become like you. That we would spend daily time in your word so that we would evaluate our days as we live them. And as we end a day, we would look back and think, did I become more like Jesus today? And in this moment, Lord, I ask that you would show us what is that area of life that's out of line. And Father, because our nature is in you and because our life was ransomed by the blood of Jesus, I pray that you would begin to transform that area of life. Help us not to forget it. Help us not to neglect it. Help us not to think this is only a Sunday morning thing and when I leave this building, I can get back to my life. But I pray, Lord, that you'd remind us that we are your life, that you are our life. And knowing you, becoming like you, is our pursuit you alone, Lord, is our hope. In Christ's name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.